just another manic Monday, ladies and gents. Welcome to the Football Ramble. Big result for Brucey and Tuchel got his first win. It's Monday 1st of February. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Vidushina Hunter-Raja. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, good to have you back with us. It's Monday, yeah. Then it's Tuesday, Wednesday, what? Um, Doesn't work in the same way, does it, uh, quite frankly? But we hope you're having a marvellous Monday, and no doubt you are now. You're joined with Jimmy and Vichy. Jimmy, how are you? Mm. I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. I'm just, yeah, just just happy to be here. (laughs) Damn right. After another glorious weekend Uh, of some all right football. Vish. (laughs) Vish, were you... Uh, well, I think we're all pleased to get Arsenal and Manchester United out of the way. Um, we didn't need that. But Vish, are you um, more intrigued by some happenings that happened in the Netherlands? Did you see Den Bosch? They were 3-0 down. Then their man came and and uh, he, he literally came and he put four away. They drew four all. The man's name he was didn't, Jizz. He didn't, he didn't literally come. Let's get that straight. Well, <laughs> Jizz Hornkamp scored four goals for Den Bosch. Um, so the game drew four. What what a finish, Jim. Quite. Yes, quite. Ruining it a was, clean yeah, sheet? It was, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, Jim, you can learn from that. Yeah, very much so. Drew very good. Very good. You've not got yeah. anything to say on this. It sounds like it means spaff. <laughs> what more do you want? Jizz Hornkamp came into the Jizz Premier Hornkamp. League. But that's the thing, he's taken it too far. Like, we can't say anything about that. He's, his parents have thought, right, we, well, his surname's going to be Hornkamp. It's like, right, mm-hmm. people are going to take the piss out of that. Let's just run with it. Yeah. Jizz. Yeah. I was going to say, Jizz one, just one of those names is good enough. <laughs> In Jizz. a way, he's probably invincible. It's just impossible to get a rise out of the guy. Yeah. It's called Jizz Hornkamp. He's had it all his life. Yeah, that's true. You That's probably to, why he's so sort of ice cold in front of goal. Yeah, you don't want to rub him the wrong way, do you? Cause no, everyone, yeah. <laughs> very <laughs> enjoyable. We could get bogged down there, ladies and gentlemen. So the wise thing would be to do is to move on uh, and let's talk about uh, something else that got us all terribly uh, excited. It was Everton nil, Newcastle United 2. Well, it certainly got Amanda Staveley's husband excited because he tweeted just simply, get in! Three exclamation marks. And some of the comments were brilliant. It was all, oh, really glad you're keeping up with Newcastle. Oh, this really excites us because you might come in with a takeover. Like, it's the hope that kills your people. Ashley's still in charge. Yes, yes, he is. I mean, he still wants to sell up, doesn't he? But I think it's, you know, yeah. it's not really his... It's not really... A man tweeting about it isn't going <laughs> to change anything at the moment, is it? <laughs> I mean, does it suggest, though, that, that Stavely's camp, they're all diehard Newcastle United fans still, Vish? <laughs> well, no, because they they went to try and put another bid on another club, didn't they? It, so oh. they're not quite they're not quite diehard. Why are Newcastle fans kind of persisting with this? Jump on Reddit, yeah. a lot of people with money over there, and oh, get yeah. them to buy your club. Yeah. In fact, if there if there is a, I, I don't know of a more Reddit football club than Newcastle <laughs> United. I think absolutely. I run with it. Completely. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's staying uh, going back to what happened on the pitch. It was a great win for Newcastle. I mean, we've sort of flip-flopped about with this, Jim. But have we mm. finally landed on the fact that it is time to admit that Steve Bruce is doing an all right job? Marcus, I would be absolutely shocked if there aren't a lot of people around Newcastle right like right this moment mm. with their bedsheets painting on phrases like, Jeez, you're doing a camp. great job. <laughs> 
<laughs> just to stop you. Just words of you know, just words of encouragement. Things yeah. like you're doing a great job. You know, thank you, Steve. Uh-huh. Mm. Never go anywhere, Brucey. Mm-hmm. Well, Bruce said in the post-match uh, interview, if you saw the dressing room, you would think we had just won the European Cup. Why is that a good thing? Isn't that something they say when when someone gets a result that they shouldn't have done? Yeah, you know they say like when, when a team's winning and someone gets a last minute equaliser, like oh look how look how they're over celebrating yeah. in there. You can't say that about your own players. No, it's like if if you know if uh, it's sort of a non-league side, you know, get a last minute equaliser <laughs> and it forces a replay in the third round against a bigger side. It's like oh, we've, it's like we've just won the European Cup, and you sort of go, yeah, I can imagine it is because this may well be the peak of peak moment for some of those players' careers. Mm. Whereas a win away at Everton, who are not particularly in great form, yeah. I don't know, Jim. It's almost like look at them getting carried away from themselves. They're not. They don't. They're not going to go know what hits them next week. They're going to be such yeah. a state. <laughs> they can't believe they've won a game because <laughs> they are losers. That's the thing you don't understand. <laughs> Fundamentally, these guys are losers, and they've won. They can't believe it. There's a lad called Jizz in Holland. He scored <laughs> twice as many goals as this lot. Can't believe their luck. <laughs> oh dearie me, yeah. yeah. I mean, what a difference! Like, joking aside, though, what a difference Callum Wilson makes. Oh. You know that is, that is. I mean, he was annoyed with himself not for not getting a hat trick after the game, and he had a couple of other chances that he might have done better with that, that weren't exactly you know guilt edged. But still, like it, you know, you got to give some credit where it's due. That was a canny bit of business, and if they if they stay in the Premier League, a lot of it's going to be down to him. Well, you forget that he is actually a quality centre forward. I mean, they don't exactly. create many chances, yeah. but he, he, you got the impression he could believe that they won. Yes, I mean he. <laughs> Does have a bronze, he does have a UEFA Nations League bronze medal, Vish. We can forget this. Yeah, I'm, I'm more, almost annoyed that you reminded me, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it was um, the... It's an it, achievement. It, yeah, I suppose it is in a way, yeah. I mean, he does have it. But yeah, he, he's just... He's one of those strikers who it doesn't seem to be perturbed by what goes on around him. Because you mm. think, because Newcastle creates so little that... He might snatch at a few here and there because he'd mm-hmm. worry that maybe that it'll be a while till the next one comes around. But he's just so calm. And the, the, another player who I'm, I'm quite—I've always been quite fond of, but he's not necessarily put in the performances—is Almiron mm. because he's such a willing runner, and you can tell there is something there. I reckon if he's playing in a team like Leicester City, for example. I reckon we're we're talking about a very different player, and sometimes it looks like he runs a bit too fast for his own body. It's I know like what you run- mean. Yeah, he's like a child running downhill in slippers. You're like you're gonna hurt yourself. Just <laughs> like slow it down a little bit. But yeah, I mean, they definitely profited off quite a listless Everton performance. I think you know whilst you know Spurs are currently going through their own little thing at the moment, but in terms of what the adjective Spursy means, I think it should be applied to Everton. I know a lot of every, you know, yeah. every set of supporters has this opinion of their team that the high shouldn't be taken too seriously and the lows are just what you expect. But I think Everton, you know, best encapsulate that mindset right now. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, with Ancelotti there, you think, oh, hang on, can they push on, you know, with some of the players they have? I mean, Newcastle did a bit of a hatchet job on James Rodriguez, which is disappointing from the neutral to see, but of course, you say hatchet job, not like it used to be, you know, with VAR and the sort of modern refereeing and, and so on. But going back to um, to Ancelotti, you know, he wasn't very happy. He said afterwards, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. He actually said that. Oh, no. I feel I feel like I need to up my standards just hearing that from Ancelotti. I might, I might clean my room, actually. Yeah, you should yeah. do. Uh, but he, he called the players lazy as well, which is, I mean... 
interesting tactic. We've seen what happened with Lampard recently when he was calling out the players, although Ancelotti is obviously a lot longer in the tooth and his man management is yeah. meant to be pretty good. But but I I, I know what you're saying there, um, Vish, about Everton. It's, they, they don't want to just sort of sleepwalk their way to another kind of just a mediocre top half finish, you know, which, again, finishing in the top half is, is an achievement in the Premier League, don't get me wrong, but for Everton, especially the way they started the season, they'd want to be at least pushing maybe for Europa League, especially mm. in this bit of a basket case of a season. But they've they've been in this situation. Sorry to cut in, but they've been in this situation for years and years now, haven't they? Just seems like they are in this sort of limbo of their own, made of their own ambitions. Sure, but it, but it felt though this season that actually was they were going to push on through and break break through that. But that's what I mean, though. The danger is that they then won't. Well, the reality is that they might not as well, of course. Um, but back at Newcastle, you know, again, a great three points. I mean, before the game, Steve Bruce said that uh, I could bring you a pile of letters I signed only yesterday. People wishing me good luck, telling me to keep bashing away. Now, I don't know whether he's he's gone going back to Jizz Horncamp or not, but I think I, I did find it interesting that that, that he he's, he was very sort of. Um, I don't know, he was fairly upbeat and he seemed to be fairly encouraged. And after that win, Vish, I, 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 I don't know, it, it, could we see an upturn in fortunes for Newcastle or is this just a complete one-off, do you think? Well, I mean, just to go back to those letters, you know in prison sometimes when when inmates don't receive letters so they write them fake ones? Do you think that's Or they, they hold some back and then they, they kind of drip it through slowly. Do you think that's what they were? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why does this They've one got... say Sheffield Wednesday? Nothing. Leave it. <laughs> <laughs> Read it. I like, I like bashing away as well. It does suggest that there's some sort of like, kind of I don't know, Steve Bruce slash fiction that's being sent to the club. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we know he likes to write a novel. Well, yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But just, uh, just to answer your question seriously, even if only for a moment. Um, oh, you know, we we talk a lot about Bruce being being quite likable, and we obviously know that only goes so far. Um, I just don't know. I, I I don't know how, given what we've said about Everton, how seriously can you take that kind of performance against them? So, I, I mean, for, for his like personal sake, I hope it is, but for Newcastle, I don't, I don't really think so. And I thought mm. it was quite interesting that a lot of credit was going to Graham Jones rather than him. It felt a bit like you know, yeah, here's the new stepdad. He's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> he lets me eat ice cream after 8pm, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, think, I think that when all said and done, it was a great win for Newcastle and much needed because they were slowly sort of sinking towards relegation. Now, fortunately for Newcastle and the other sides around there, the sides in the relegation zone can't buy a win and that was seen very much when West Brom played Fulham. Um, nice mm. to have it on the BBC, by the way. Dion Dublin commentating. He's uh, he's full of the joys, isn't yeah. he? Old Dublin. He absolutely it's great. Loves it. It's also nice that they've been kind of you know rolled what could appear to be a little bit of a turkey of a game with the fixtures there, but actually it really really delivered. Yeah, even though the BBC write up the opening paragraph was well, I mean it's not the most glamorous of ties considering. I'm like. Well, hang on, it's better than the bowls of what you normally have on at this time on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. You know. um, but it was a decent game. I mean, from a Fulham point of view, I thought to myself, as they kind of trudged off the pitch, 1-0 up at half-time, I thought, that's not enough. You know it's not enough. You've had yeah. chances and possession to put it 2-0. Big Sam Allardyce, or Darth Allardyce, as he was looking, 
will think to himself, right, we've got away with that. He'll get them in the dressing room and he, and he will tell them to do exactly what Fulham did to West Brom in that first half. Right, you know how they've been closing us down and playing on the front foot and not playing too deep? Let's just do that to them because that would probably work. And it was right, Vish. That did seem to work, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, like, beyond knowing you, I have no real allegiance to Fulham. But even I felt anxious when they only went in at 1-0 because they yeah. were playing so well mm. and they were tearing West Brom to shreds. And it, I suppose it's the reason why they are where they are in that they came out and they looked suddenly looked a different team. But they definitely didn't deserve to lose that game, I don't think. And, and for all kind of Allardyce's tweaks at half-time, I still think Fulham had enough to to play better than they did in the second half. And when they went, to be fair, when they went 2-1 down, I think, right, you're definitely going to lose this because yeah. this is how football works. And luckily they didn't. Yeah. That yeah. was okay. great. That was Beckham-esque from Harrison Reed. Oh, it was, as soon as he put that ball mm. in, I thought, goal. That's how good it was. Because you got Mitrovic, who was who was in the box, and obviously Cavallero, um, you know, the, the horseman bringing up the rear. And, uh, <laughs> it, you know, scored a great header. Uh, against Spurs, obviously, and it was, it was that kind of cross. As I say, you, you, you mean it's it's pretty mm. much his goal in, in a sense. But going on what you said about you know Allardyce making tweaks, I mean Jim Allardyce said West Brom played too much complex football in the first forty-five minutes. Yeah, and then of so course we kept in that they kept giving the ball back to Fulham instead of to their own players. I mean, there's nothing too complex about that, is there? Uh, well, no. Well, you say that, but people kind of people mock Allardyce for you know for being perhaps like mm-hmm. too simplistic, or the fact that you know what you're going to get with him. Call it Brexit ball. Call it meat and two veg. <laughs> whatever. Hang on, Brexit um, ball. Where's that come yeah, from? Yeah, that's a mate of mine calls it Brexit ball. <laughs> Brexit um, ball. That's yeah. not. That's a bit. <laughs> Well, you know, it's just it's. Just, I've seen other people say it as well, um, but you know, he he's you know, he's talking about um, um, keeping it simple. Yeah, and by Diagna, who who they brought in, and the words he used were uh, at halftime. We said we've brought a big man from Galatasaray. I want I want you to play off him, off his feet or chest. And there is actually a sort of genius, almost to mm. quote Pep, um, about the simplicity that Allardyce brings in because it is they are really simple, straightforward instructions. If yeah. that's a little insight into how he plays, it's not like it is literally. Yeah, there's a big guy there. Mm. Get it to him. Try, try not to get to his head, feet or chest, that's it. Like, really, really, really straightforward. <laughs> they know what they're doing, they know their jobs, and, you know, when they execute it properly, it works. And there's a lot to be said for that because, you know, when Allardyce does what he does, teams stay up. But do you think they'll be a little bit disappointed not to put Fulham away? Because you have to win that. I felt that there's a weird situation in the first half, Mark. I don't know if you you agree with this, mm. but I felt like when Deckard over Reed hit the post yeah. after he'd scored... I think that would have made them more nervous than if they hadn't even had that chance. Yeah, I know. Because it makes you think, like, oh, that was a chance to go 2 0 up. Yeah. And we've blown that. Yeah, I think so. I think what Gary Lineker in the studio was saying that it's a tricky one for Fulham when you're getting at half time because what do you say? It's kind of like, well, more of the same. Uh, and Allardyce's job, you know, that sort of cliched thing, well, his, his half time talk is a bit easy because, as you say, do the basics, you know, actually play more on the front foot and, and so on and so forth. I mean, the, the two Fulham goals showed the little bit of quality they've got, I think. Um, whereas the, the West Brom goals, don't want to do them a disservice, but there was a slight... Well, maybe I am doing them a disservice there. Strikers finish from Kyle Bartley. I was about to say, it was a lovely finish. I mean, yeah, so no, fair, fair play. But, you, you know, um, you, you, the man from Galatasaray did make a difference when he, when he, when he came on. <laughs> can, can that be his name? 
Like just for the rest of the season, the man from Galatasaray. <laughs> the big man from Galatasaray. <laughs> As if they've produced him in some sort of lab or something. Yeah, he's not on loan, is he? One is of it? those Galatasaray guys, you know? We paid good money for that. <laughs> I like the, um, not just the simplicity, but I, I like the visual of his chest and feet because I have this image of Allardyce like holding his shoulder and being, hit him here and here. <laughs> Nowhere else. Yeah. yeah. That was, well, that was, uh, that tactic worked for Sunderland when they used to play with Niall Quinn up top. It was fizz the ball into Quinn between shoulder and knee because his chest control, and, and some people might struggle with that because he's obviously quite a big guy. Um, but as you say, Jimmy, plays to the basics. You know, I forget the, the, the two Dutch players. Was it um, Patrick van Aanholt and one other one? Yeah. They were in a, they were in his car or, or one of the cars and doing it like a, his, his YouTube channel. He was saying, you know, you you do all these basic things under Allardyce, but it works. And sometimes it, it's, it's the reason why Allardyce has got so many teams out of a relegation scrap and got them mm. to mid-table in the Premier League. And the reason why he would never manage a side who would have realistic title ambitions. Those yeah. tactics get you so far. And don't don't get me wrong, a lot of teams want to get that far. But of course, your big sides, that, that's very much you know, in the opposite direction to, to where they want to go. A side like Liverpool, yeah. for example, Jim, who look like they're back, quite frankly. Yeah, again. Um, <laughs> they just won't go away, the champions. <laughs> no, they were they were excellent, weren't they, Vish? I know you were at the game. Um, the, the first half, I watched the game, yet I had the impression that it wasn't actually happening. Yeah. Nothing, nothing much of note happened. I think on match of the day, they just sort of went, yeah, let's just go straight on to the second half. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did feel like the, um, you know, when you used to get DVDs and you'd have adverts for other DVDs, including like an advert <laughs> yeah. not to steal DVDs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you'd try to fast yeah. forward through it. That was basically what it what it was like that first half. West Ham were actually pretty good. Um, they kind of set off Liverpool and at the same time, you know, played some very good football. They definitely had the best chances of that, uh, of that first half. And then Klopp, I, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on Klopp's words here rather than, saying I saw it, but in the second half, he said he went for more directness. Um, and he Big kind of... Sam. Yeah, yeah. See? But they didn't have a big man from Galatasaray, did they? They only had a little man no. from uh-huh. Bayern Munich yeah. in uh, Zerdan Shakiri, who he moved over to the left. And that second goal, which was <sighs> staggeringly good. And I <laughs> I don't think the TV cameras did Shakiri's pass justice because I swear to you... I was up quite high in the West Ham Stadium and that ball went very, very high indeed. And it had to, to you know, bypass the defenders, but the dip as well to land on Salah's foot. Well, the touch. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, take the touch and take the finish as well. Both both excellent. But I think the pass is one of a kind because he's got no right to play it first time. It's just fundamentally, well, the... it's, a, it's a bad decision. Even Klopp said afterwards, <laughs> he played it too early, but he yeah. played it perfectly. It was... Oh, staggering. <laughs> well, I think yeah, that- for it to land in that position from from where he hit it is like you could give me a thousand goes at that, and I'd I'd probably end up breaking my leg before I did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, but the pass out to him was it from Alexander Arnold was a lovely yeah. one. It was just yeah. it was a perfect breakaway goal. It was just a few move, a few touches, and, and it was in the back of the net. But I mean, I would like to mention that Salah touch and finish because I mean. I mean, that was like Burkamp-esque, Jim. It was it really glorious. Was. It's, I mean, because you're still reeling from how good the first touch was before yes. you've even noticed he's taken the second. It's, it's just, just like it just touches it past the keeper. 
Yeah, because ah. it's all it's all one motion, isn't it? Yeah, in a, in a sense, it, it feels it's one action, despite there being two. Perhaps was there three touches? Did he touch it twice with his right foot? Doesn't matter. No, no, but like, two, it just was, two. Yeah. It was oh, it was it was beautiful. Just he's such a silky player. He's so so good to watch. And when he's firing like that, yeah. um, it is going to be enough to bring you through when you're missing Firmino and Mane as well. Mm. Like there, there was so, a lot of talk about that before the game, as if Liverpool were you know perhaps on uh, you know maybe um, too short and did they have enough with just Salah? It's like think about that, <laughs> Jim. Your like, mate, that's mad. Jim, your mate Jamie Redknapp reckoned that um, Mo Salah mm. is slightly underappreciated in the Premier League. Do you think? Well, no, that's what, I mean, no, that's what Jamie Redknapp said. Uh, hmm. do, I think, do you think there's perhaps this idea that they are just that front three, though? And so all three of them are, are perhaps a little bit underappreciated because they seem to come as a trio. No, because I... this is a great example of it. If two of them aren't there, whatever individual is still there is still an exceptional player that's going to win you games. Well, I mean, as he proved because Mane and for, um, and and. Well, no, sorry, it was Fabinho, Fabinho wasn't there, but Manny wasn't playing. But I think, um, I, I think that if anything, Mane and Firmino were underappreciated rather than Salah. I think Salah is very mm. appreciated. Yeah, Salah's the one that picks up the golden boots. You know, he he's the, always the one that's, that's talked about. He's got probably the biggest fan base out of the three of them as well in terms of yeah. if you yeah. see how their interactions are on Twitter and stuff like that and yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of numbers they do. So, I mean... I wonder if it's if it's just we've gone so high with praising Salah we can only go down. So he's like, yeah, oh, maybe. okay, yeah. let's try and loop our way back the other way and yeah, yeah, say that he's underappreciated and yeah, up, but yeah. it could also be that if you're an ex-Liverpool player, Liverpool cannot be praised enough. <laughs> <laughs> Very true, Vish. What do you reckon um, uh, of Liverpool? They at the time of recording, it's not completely signed, sealed, and delivered, but it's we're very, very close to that. Uh, bringing in uh, Preston's Ben Davis. Uh, to bolster that defence because, of course, you, you know, you had um, Jordan Henderson at the back in a little bit of a makeshift defence, who, again, did did very, very well. Uh, but they brought him in. Uh, he only had six months left on his contract and he's classified as a homegrown player. I mean, I don't know whether this is something to... Maybe it wasn't a consideration, but it's an added bonus that he is already based in the northwest of England as well. So they've, they've, they've got him in um, by the looks of it, because today's uh, deadline day, of course. Um, must be lovely for Ben Davis, who not that long ago, I think, was playing for, what, Fleetwood Town or something like that, and now he's uh, about to join Liverpool. Yeah, apparently there are a couple of other Premier League clubs looking at him. I don't know yeah, who exactly. Celtic as well. In oh, Scotland. Celtic, OK, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they just need bodies, don't they? Nat Phillips has, has done a, a decent job. I don't, I don't yeah. think he's quite good enough for this level yeah and I wonder if actually he's one of those players they probably offload in a couple of years um, but yeah no um, it's a lovely little treat the way you said that he was in the northwest, I mean he's probably a, a very a very real um, thing to be wary of but yeah, I wonder if it's like, okay, so what, are they, are they, is he like in their support bubble now? Like, how does this work? <laughs> they can go for walks He's there together. anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, well, apparently uh, they, they were looking at other players, but all things considered, because Ben Davis, as you say, ha- the other clubs have been interested in him, not clubs the size of Liverpool, but still there's interest in him. He's quite clearly a good player. But uh, Shodran Mustafi was one that they were looking at. Jim, you yeah. gutted that didn't happen. I am gutted. I'd bought into that. Mm. I was really hoping it was going to happen because then we'd have pictures of Mustafi winning, lifting the World Cup and potentially the Premier League as well. And I, I, I would 
be delighted for him mm-hmm. to have pulled that off in a weird way. Um, yeah, I was hoping it would happen. I would like to see how he would fit into such a good team and see if uh, such a good team could absorb his Mustafanings. Um, <laughs> But it's not to be, is it? So I don't know if he'll go anywhere. Sadly, not to be. Well, a good win for for Liverpool nonetheless. Um, Did you see that David Gold tweeted at (laughs) 10pm after the game? Sadly, West Ham lost to Liverpool 3-1. But Tottenham lost to lowly Brighton 1-0. So we remain fifth in the league, DG. Yeah. The the response from West Ham fans has been amazing <laughs> about how it's embarrassing and it's you know it's beneath you know a, a Premier League club and also how it's really disrespectful to Brighton. It's like I think that's <laughs> that's fair enough actually. And that's really surprisingly measured. Mm, certainly is. Right, time for a break, DG. Welcome back to the Football Ramble, everybody. Now, let's see how we got on in Betway's 4 to score this weekend. Entry to Betway's 4 to score is free each week. Just need to pick the first goal scorer in Betway's four selected matches for your chance to win the weekly £50,000 jackpot. Make sure your selections are submitted before the first game. Further T's and C's applying. Game one, it was Southampton versus Aston Villa on Saturday night. I picked Che Adams as first goal scorer. It was Ross Barkley. Wrong. Game two, Leicester City versus Leeds on Sunday afternoon. Vish, you picked James Madison. It was Harvey Barnes. Wrong. Game three, West Ham versus Liverpool Sunday afternoon as well. Jim, you picked James Jared Bowen, it was Mo Salah. Wrong. Game four, Brighton versus Spurs, of course, ended 1-0 to Brighton on the Sunday evening. Luke picked Carlos Vinicius. It was, of course, Leandro Trossard. Wrong. We'll be back with another round of Betway's 4 to score on the preview show this Friday. It's difficult, isn't it? Four wrong mm. picks. Why do we hate charity so much? I have no idea, Vish. I don't know. No We're idea. just bad people. Yeah. Well, it's time for emails. Just Right, so I got an email from a Glenn Harvey, and Glenn says, Your recent chat about grounds at swimming pools reminded me of something I saw recently while watching the cricket here in Australia. I promise I didn't send this in. The Gabba in <laughs> Brisbane has a swimming pool inside the stadium where people can wade around with a drink in hand while watching the game. Every now and again, the camera shows people having a good time between balls, and one such occasion when the camera... Don't laugh at balls! <laughs> Jizz Horn Camp. <laughs> the level that you've been reduced to by Jizz yeah, no, Horn Camp, is it, Marcus? No, Glenn Harvey has written that with a little wink and a smile. <laughs> He's sort of crafted a little bit of a gag there, and I think it deserves a little bit of applause. I don't know that he has. It deserves big applause. <laughs> Carry on, Vish. You done? Good. Right. <laughs> Having a good time between balls. One, one such occasion when the camera zoomed in and showed people enjoying oh. the sun. Adam Grilchrist, who was commentating at the time, pointed out that one of the young swimmers was actually his son. Oh. With the camera focused on the unsuspecting offspring, the cricketing great, Gilchrist hurriedly asked the producers to cut to something else as his son was sitting there, beer in hand, while still being, albeit just days, underage. Uh-oh. Unable to cut away before he took a sip, Gilchrist had to pretend as though nothing was out of the order and only confess to what had really gone on much, much later. <laughs> oh, no. I love that. Cut away! He's only 10 years old! 
<laughs> Get that beer out of his hand, mate. <laughs> That's not VB. Um, <laughs> what's happening between the balls? Um, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, show at footballramble.com. Nothing if he's 10. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Oh dear, Chelsea beat Burnley 2 0. The first win of the Tuchel era. Tommy Took got his first win. Took Took. Uh, Burnley just had the one shot in uh, in the whole game, which happened in the 94th minute, um, which means Tuchel becomes the first Chelsea manager to not concede any shots on target in his first two games since big Rafa Benitez. Bodes well, Jim. Bodes very well. It does. Yeah, he's, very, he's quite spiky in the post-match as well. Like, I, he just sort of can't he, be bothered to be there because he, he's got football nerd stuff to right, get on with. Right, is it me or has Tuchel, like, got his feet under the desk very firmly and very quickly? Yes. Like, he's he's all in the blue. You hardly see his face. He's talking about... I don't know. There's... It's something... I'm yeah. utterly intrigued by this and I can't quite looks put like my finger on it. He looks like he's been there for about... A year, which yeah. means he'll be sacked within a week, surely. <laughs> you, go, you want to be careful about getting too comfortable too quickly at Chelsea, you know? Yeah. Mm. I, Fish, are you, have you been surprised? He sort of seems to have sort of booted the door down and uh, put his, his... His feet aren't under the desk, they're on the desk. Yeah, although when, um, when you read stuff about Tuchel, um, like it, it sounds like between, between jobs, he's been researching a lot about Chelsea and like kind of looking into how they play and specifically their players. Mm-hmm. And it also sounds like, you know, you talked about him being, you know, a bit fed up in the post-match interview. Apparently he's, you know, probably similar to Guardiola um, maybe a few years ago. But if you ask him about football and if you ask him about tactics, he will give mm. you the nerdiest, yep. you know, thorough answers mm. you, can, you can wish for. And I think he's come into this come into this country having been very wary of the press mm. and thought, well, if I, sp- if I say something out of turn, they might misconstrue it. So maybe yeah. unless they're going to ask me an early football question, which generally you don't do after games, you might ask them in midweek, but it's quite hard to in a, in a post-match press conference setting. So he's probably a bit like, right, just get through this and, and fire through. I think what, what, you know, we might end up, you know, if he if he starts stitching together proper run of results, we'll invariably get a big interview with someone who's granted that big interview, and we'll find out a little bit more about him. Mm. But from everything I've seen so far of him, kind of off the field and his persona, it seems to match up to a guy who's very very serious. Bear in mind, he left football quite early because he wanted to be mm. a coach. Who wants to be yeah. a coach instead of that's a, a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it was due, he retired through injury, did he not? Yeah, but but like a nerd injury, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do I ask Vish to, to define nerd injury or are we going to go back to no okay um, what about though putting in um, Marcos Alonso and obviously um, Azpilicueta scored as well but putting in Marcos Alonso is that a dig to Lampard Jim? well possibly I mean I don't think it's a dig to Lampard I think that would be a very very unusual set of priorities for Thomas Tuchel to arrive at the club with mm. like I'm going to bury your legend uh, because the the rumour is that Alonso was one of the, the, the players that was unhappy with, with Lampard because he was leaving him out and sort of uh, uh, was kind of Trying to undermine him. Football's so petty, isn't it? It is so petty. It's so, so petty. Well, it was that business. He was subbed at half-time against West Brom and went straight to the bus to watch the game rather than into the stands. But that, I mean, that was in September. That is the mindset of a, of a pathetic man, isn't it? Well, it's it, like it, a, a kid who's throwing a strop while out shopping. Like, I'm going to go wait in the car. I mean, it is, like, it's, it's, just like... it's poor from, from Alonso, obviously, but... 
you do wonder with I mean the way he played. I mean that obviously that that kind of goal. You know you don't expect that from him every week. But he is a goal threat. Even he's got that he's, in it. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a goal threat. And you think with Chelsea, like he's such an experienced player and he's been such a crucial player for them over the years. I don't want to talk about Lampard too much, but it shows you that perhaps he didn't manage that situation very well. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I suppose that if somebody reacts like that, they can't just be given a free pass, but also freezing them out forevermore is perhaps a, a bit mm. bit unwise as well. And I think Tuchel rotated a lot, isn't he, in the two games he's been in charge. So he's, he's clearly getting a look at the, the players in his squad. And Alonso is a great example of, of someone who's given him a lot to think about there. So, mm. you know, that competition for places between him and Ben Chilwell will surely be better than Ben Chilwell being able to be complacent. I'm not saying he has been, but, you know, that the, the potential for that has been removed there. So... It does. It immediately. It seems a bit more uh, just coherent. Elite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, elite is perhaps the word. Actually, I mean, you look at the. You know what they were highlighting on Match of the Davish with the way Chelsea were playing, and they were really kind of pushing players up against Burnley because, well, as the the stats suggest, they they weren't going to get too much uh, going the other way. But the way he used Callum Hudson Odoi was was interesting and very effective. Mm. Yeah, I really admire coaches who are able to look at a player and look at their, their gifts and, and do so, I suppose, you know, w- without their judgment being coloured by their position or certainly the position they grew up playing. You know, we saw it a little bit with... Um, well, I suppose we are seeing it with Pep now in the way that he's deployed. He deployed Kevin De Bruyne before he got injured and then what we're seeing now with Gundogan as well, obviously famously. The, the one that sticks in my mind is... Moving Philip Lahm from fullback to yeah. defensive midfield, mm. and and Tuchel is clearly one of those managers who can strip a player down and think, well, I, okay, I think you'll be very good at this position, and it's not something we see particularly, um, you know, certainly past the age of eighteen per se, and and, and the, you know, I think it's interesting that it's something that he saw in in Hudson Odoi because I don't know about you, and I'm purely talking about my own ignorance here. But the only time, the, the, rather the moment I realised Hudson Odoi was a serious player was the Bayern Munich interest. Up until that point, I knew he mm. was, you know, a talented and doing bits for the England um, age groups. But it was only then that I thought, okay, shit, there's there's something, there's really is something here. Mm. And I think we're kind of seeing that in the way that he's been more malleable um, in these in the first two games of two zero. So I'm quite excited to see his development. To be honest, yeah. Robbie yeah. Brady certainly knows about <laughs> Callum Hudson and Doyle's talent, doesn't he? Poor guy. There was a great yeah. moment, wasn't there, when Doyle shouted, Robbie, tune in! And Brady said, I know where he is. I just can't stop him. What do you want me to do? Love that. I love that. There's so, so much going on there. It's proper Sunday league, isn't it? It is. But it also gives you a little insight into yeah. the into the Burnley squad and the way they speak to each other and the way the, the comfort within them yeah. that Robbie Brady feels like he can say that to his manager and that be, <laughs> and that not even be that unreasonable. <laughs> Dice to just go, yeah, fair enough. Oh, I've got no re- response to that, really. I suppose. But also, what, what do you think if you're Callum Hudson, Callum Hudson, and you hear that? You just yeah, think, I know. Oh, no, thanks very much. Maybe that's why he played so well. He was like, you know what? I've got a free pass here. I can do whatever I like. Yeah. I, I just just run faster. Dice was very relaxed post match, wasn't he? He just sort of said, you know, the quality they have. Yeah. No, no best team won. Move on. Yeah. Don't care. That's it. But that, that's the way to, to be, though, isn't it? You can't yeah. you can't dwell on a defeat like that if you're if you're the manager of Burnley going to uh-huh. Chelsea. It's just you know it's it's, it's daft to do so. But back to Callum Hudson Odoi. Like, yeah. if we if we may briefly touch mm. on him again, like I'm, I was was surprised to 
to learn that he's still only 20. Yeah. I feel like he's been 20 for a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because, you know, he's... He has he has been spoken about a bit, and we've only seen him in sort of fits and starts. I'm sure mm. you know regular watchers of Chelsea will, will have more of an insight into, into what yeah. he brings. But I, I still feel like we are uh, we don't see enough of him as as yeah, yeah, yeah. as as neutrals excited for his development. And if he can if he plays like that every week, obviously he'll be a nailed on starter. Yeah, it's good because I, I was get, I was starting to get really worried about England's reserves at right back so it's nice to have another one yeah. or, or right wing back as, it, <laughs> yeah. as a case may be yeah. well I mean this is the thing I wonder what it means for Reese James which is a shame but um, it, it, well yeah, yeah. I, I mean they, they could both be in the squad for the Euros I mean James is a, is a quality player as well mm. um, I did I mean with Callum Hudson-Odoi sort of laying on chances like that you would think that um, Timo Werner's uh, goal drought may sort of uh, uh, end fairly soon although he has now gone 12 league games without a goal and Tuchel, I quite like, enjoyed what Tuchel said. He misses the feeling of scoring. No talks, no hugs, no warm words can make up for this feeling, which is nice. He also said that. Werner is sensitive about having not scored. And you think, don't say that. Yeah. You're going to start yeah. slagging him off. But he did say, Just... and this is like lost in translation slightly, but you know what he means. Maybe we need a stupid goal, a deflection or whatever, a silly goal that opens it up again. Yeah, just play off him, off his feet or his chest. <laughs> yeah, a stupid goal. That's what we want. I don't That's think that will help, yeah. though, will it? Like because you know he's he's if he's that sensitive about it he doesn't want it to be something that people take the piss out of so if he does get one mm. off his ass mm. you know that he's not that's not going to fill him with any joy yeah he looks true. like a very serious man doesn't he I, mm. I think you're right Vish I don't think that's going to cut it for him he won't even count it in his personal tally yeah, yeah. he'll look back on his career and he'll have a set number of goals but he'll know Romario yeah. will take it it's fine yeah <laughs> very good very good uh, great win for Leeds away to uh, Leicester City um, first time Leicester have lost the season after. Going ahead, incidentally, uh, and they, you know, they start the game as we've we've seen them uh, uh, many times. You know, Madison laying one on for, for Harvey Barnes, but what a reaction, Vish, from Bielsa's boys! Yeah, it's incredible, really. You know, we when we've looked at say, you know, Manchester United in those in that period where they were going behind and winning games, and you thought like, oh, they don't react that badly to going behind because they they expect it and a little bit of the Manchester United stuff was that oh you know we've done it a couple of times so fine but with Leeds because they create so many chances yeah I think they concede one and they're like well we'll get three chances to to get this back in the next 20-25 minutes so it should be fine we should say Leicester obviously outshot them on the weekend but you know that propensity to just create so many chances I I think personally is the reason that Bamford has been able to maintain some semblance of form while Mm. he's not been scoring so I think this was his first goal in five Mm. he laid on the equaliser but also just his all round play was was just brilliant and I wonder you know we just talked about Timo Werner as someone who's struggling with his goal scoring form and it's clear that Werner you know he missed that chance on the weekend where he was snatching at it and he kicked it into Mm -hmm. his own foot Whereas Bamford seems to have a bit of reassurance that no, I'm going to get, I'm, I know yeah. I'm going to get a couple of clear cut chances here, so it's on me to do the rest. Oh, the way he stuffed that one in the top corner yeah, was glorious. Gorgeous. And then, and then as he sort of dances through a goal, he does. Uh, oh, I wasn't quite Gooty esque, but do you know what I mean. He just kind of it was a lovely assist as well when he when he could have mm. scored. I mean, enjoyable when he was saying that, you know, he was in his fantasy team, but he was a bit gutted because he took himself off captain, um, so he could have got more points, Jim. It's lovely when you hear footballers say stuff like that. Yeah, but he he also said that um, in the post-match on Sky and to the BBC. 
so I love that he's, he's I love that he's doing the same joke. He's honed his material <laughs> yeah. in a few different interviews, and mm-hmm. by that last one, it's it's really banging. He's got he's got <laughs> the the setups really efficiently short. There's a topper. It's it's good. I really like Patrick Bamford. I feel like I I want to be mates with him. Yeah, and like a lot of footballers seem just like generic footballers, but he. He's, he seems a good egg, and, yeah. and you're right. What, what a finish for that goal! As well. And, and as, has, as has been noted everywhere, sort of very unselfish for Jack Harrison's goal, which yeah. is what you need. Do you know the one thing I'm so impressed with with this uh, lead side under Bielsa is that, that they finished the game with, if you like, an all championship eleven. And Bielsa said that when the club decided to build up the squad for this campaign, all the players were conserved because. As he put it, we thought they were up to this level. That's an incredibly brave thing to do, but the way he's getting such a great tune out of them, you compare that to, say, Fulham. Fulham have largely got a different eleven from when yeah. they played in the Championship. Deco Dover reads there, and you've got one or two others who kind of in and out the side, like um, like like uh, uh, Harrison Reed and uh, Tom Kenny a little bit and so on. But the, 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 the defence, the goalkeeper... Um, as I say, Mitrovic has played one or two, but largely you've got at least nine or ten players regularly playing each week for Fulham who didn't play in the, in the previous campaign. Now, make what you will of that, but Leeds, as he said, they kept all the players. It shows you how good Bielsa has adapted. And we've often sort of... Many criticisms about, about Leeds, and, or, or sorry, Bielsa in particular, about are oh, they run out of steam and all that kind of stuff. But Fish, the way they've taken to the Premier League, has it, did it surprise you how well they've done? I mean, yeah, yeah, it has absolutely. Um, just you know, what you said is is totally true, and the, I'd encourage people to seek out a video that's been doing the rounds on Twitter, or certainly was doing the rounds a few months ago, uh, of Bielsa. Um, and I, I don't know who he's managing at the time, but he's giving this talk, and he talks about how certain players have a privilege where they're assumed when they're growing up they're going to be good players, so they work with coaches who try and unlock different things different things within them to make them better players. But for quote-unquote lesser players, players deemed to not have that kind of quality or potential, they don't get that kind of coaching. So their their potential is always untapped. And so Bielsa sees it as his job to be, I suppose, more meritocratic with his coaching methods. So he will take the worst player and the best player and treat them the same and give them the same kind of care and you know talk to them in the same way and and try and push those buttons and find out what pushes that particular player's buttons rather than just assuming that they're a lost cause. And that is, you know, you see that, as you just said, with that championship 11, he has ensured that kind of continuity of squad and he's, you know, made them raise their level once more. And it is a real feat of management. And I I couldn't give a shit about the goals conceded. It was something that I was worried about at the start of the season, definitely. But it's... um, yeah, it's one of the reasons people get annoyed about how much we might talk about Bielsa or Bielsa might be lauded, but there is a man there who's doing very good mm-hmm. things and, and probably changing the life, lives of a few of those players, to be honest, because I don't think any of them mm. would have any thoughts of becoming Premier League players had they not met him. I think, I think, it's, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. You know, a, a bit's been made about the way Lampard has brought through some players at Chelsea, and that's fine. That, 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 that should be mentioned, of course. But Jim, he has taken these championship players. Look at Calvin Phillips, for example. Yeah. I mean, some may suggest that he should start for England, uh, certainly be in the squad. Um, but again, it was mentioned, or oh, could Bamford maybe get in there? That might be a, a, you know, with some of the forwards England have, 
might have been not the most ridiculous thing, but it's probably unlikely. But look at the way we now talk about these players. We don't when when you know when we talk about they finish with an all championship eleven. You think, but, but the likes of Dallas and Harrison, you think of these as Premier League players now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of that though is it is down to Bielsa, isn't it? And the, and the cohesion that he's got within them. And it'd be interesting to see what happens if, for whatever reason, he were to to leave within a couple of seasons. Mm. How how that would how that would stand up you know is it just because he's such a he's such a unique manager who brings a philosophy and and an execution of that philosophy in a way that we know is very very detailed very effective very very committed uh is it just that he's you know he's managed to get his blueprint to to take hold at Leeds and to, and to work uh, is he getting sort of more out of these players than 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 anyone else would or are they or are they just naturally sort of actually kind of an exceptional group of players for the for the for the level that they were at and i think it's probably more towards the latter to be honest there's a lot of players in there that would not struggle in other premier league teams and the fact that they've got bielsa gelling them together with that philosophy and the fact that he is okay with them conceding goals in in certain games if it means that they score a lot in others um has just created this really brilliant thing to behold there's such a such a sort of like plus of the Premier League this season, they're a real jewel in the crown of the neutral. Completely, uh, you, you, you're spot on, and I think it's interesting that for Bielsa, he's sort of put down roots in Leeds because you mm, think about it, surprising. He, he has just gone from from certain teams. He was Lazio. He was there for about ten minutes, wasn't he? It's already his longest serving position, isn't it? Is that right? So, so but yeah. it shows you that he he is enjoying this. He's the, I, maybe it's the players are all getting on board with what he's doing. He's shaping this his side. I mean, or is it just because he he really really loves Calvin Phillips? Because according to Patrick Bamford, he, Marcelo said if his daughters were to marry a footballer or someone at Leeds, he'd pick Calvin. <laughs> Have you seen the I love, uh, daughters? <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Have you in the in the Leeds documentary on Amazon Prime? Calvin Phillips comes off like an absolute joy like yeah. such a such a lovely man i might you know i i think i'm very lucky to have my partner but i think she can do a lot better and i might actually say you know there's a bloke called calvin up, up, up north genuinely because bielsa his manager he's already shocking his own daughters out i reckon if you go up there yeah have a good crack yeah have a good Which crack. i speak on behalf of the ramble nation when was saying that she hit the jackpot with you man. come on <laughs> uh, but we should point out by the way that, that bielsa i think he managed argentina slightly longer than leeds but in terms of the club right. jim i think that's what yeah we're i find it funny he managed argentina i remember it him very much strange at, remember him very much at chile but I, I don't quite remember argentina that much but then that is all my fault ladies and gentlemen uh, before we finish speaking of south america let's go to brazil obviously congratulations to palmeiras they won the uh, copa libertadores with it with a 19 Ninth minute winner, I think it was. It was a bit mad at the end, but that's what we expect from that that tournament. So the all Brazilian final uh, went to them. But it was a it was another um, victorious Brazilian side that, that I think are, are worthy of a mention. Chapo Coenza, we remember them because of the plane crash, of course, very very tragic uh, indeed. The club captain Alan uh, Rochelle was one of the six uh, survivors on that plane crash in 2016 that killed 19 of his teammates. Which is absolutely tragic. Uh, I think we we all remember that. Well, this they just lifted the Serie B title uh, in Brazil. They needed to win by two goals to to win the league. They won three uh, one after they scored a Penenka penalty in the ninety sixth minute. <laughs> so obviously it doesn't you know make up for what happened for crying out loud. Nobody would suggest that for a moment. But 
But bearing in mind, you know, they were relegated from Brazil's top flight in 2019 because, of course, the squad and the team were decimated and so on. But marvellous to see them win the Serie B title in such circumstances. Yeah, it's it's just a beautiful, you know, story, really, isn't it? It's just the emotion in, in his face as he lifted that trophy as well was 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 absolutely unbelievable. And you know, as you say, Marcus, it's. It's always there's always going to be a hint of tragedy around it because of the circumstances and a, and a kind of poignancy. But it was it was beautiful that that moment happened at all. Yeah, no, no, completely agree. Um, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Before we go, a quick reminder that we've got loads of brand new bonus content on our Patreon page for as little as five dollars a month. You can support the ramble and get loads more from us lot. Um, so just head over to patreon.com forward slash football ramble where there is a lot of fun and frolicking going on. So there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble. It's been an absolute pleasure. On tomorrow's show, Kate, Pete and Andy will be in your ears. So enjoy that to Moz. Thank you very much, Jim Campbell. Thank you. Thank you very much for Tushin and Taraja. Thank you, and I hope you settle down for the rest of the day. Thank you very much, Jiz Hornkamp. And we will see you very, very soon. Ta-ta. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.